morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you. My name is Jason. I'm senior pastor here with my wife, Bev. Um, and lots to celebrate this morning. Um, the door is open, isn't it? And it's not cold anymore. Yay! Yay! Woo! So, uh, and in a few weeks' time, you're going to all want to be sitting that side with the breeze <laughs> blowing on you as it warms up. Um, so, celebrating. And um, I'm just going to say, Hannah, um, our assistant pastor, our wonderful Hannah, um, and inviting you if you're thinking of turning this church, becoming your church, please do come to a welcome. Uh, lunch. It's been wonderful after COVID to be able to meet in person, but look around the hall today uh, and the last few weeks and see so many people who are coming to us for the first time or visiting us, and you are so welcome, and we are so looking forward to getting to know you, becoming friends with you, and finding out what the Lord's doing in you. Um, I wasn't due to be speaking today, um, but at the end of the baptisms last Sunday, felt that I should, and I said, well, Lord, I'm not on the I'm not on the road to, to do it, but um, our children's pastor and youth pastor were due to be speaking, but then uh, Hannah, our youth pastor, came down with COVID, um, and the rest of the team in the office suggested something before I did. Well, Jason, why don't you speak instead, and we can let them speak another time? So I went, oh, that's funny. Maybe I am supposed to speak this morning. So we're going to have a good time this morning. The Lord's given me something, I think, for us this morning. Um, and our baptisms, I'm following on from our baptisms, the new life in Christ and the sense of God's presence. If you were here last Sunday, was that a whoop? Yeah? Um, it was. Baptismal services always are just the most wonderful time as people share their stories of new life in Christ and their encounters with God. But every single time something happens because God can't help himself, he turns up. I mean, he really turns up. Um, Jesus himself was baptized. I think God has a, a just a part of his heartbeat for us is around baptism. He can't help it. He turns up. Uh, people will talk about coming into the car park when we have baptisms and saying, oh, I could feel God's presence. It was so amazing. Heaven opens. Um, Ephesians 2 verse 6 reminds us of this, that we are seated in heavenly realms. And we can often turn up here, and we can be all over the place, but there's something about baptisms where the order of our relationship with God and, and heaven is revealed, and something happens to us, and we're lifted up. It's like we get an extra boost, not just because it's personal and people telling stories, but the reality of God's kingdom and people taking their seat and their place in the heavenly realms is revealed. We feel it, we sense it, we smell it, taste it, touch it. And I was sitting at the front there and I'm watching uh, people give their testimonies and tears running down my face. And I felt like the Lord said to me, he said, you know I see this, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, Lord, I do. He said, no, you know I really see this. I see this in your church, here. And the Lord said, do you not think I will bless this? As I wonder about our future as a church family. And just I had a wonderful moment with the Lord speaking to me. I want to share with you. And he said, there is more of this. 
and the baptism, the new life and the new faith that God has for us. If you want new life and faith in Christ, if you've got friends and family you want, at this moment, at this time in history, what happened last Sunday is what the Lord wants to bring to us and more. And it's, I always hear this after baptisms. People will say, I wish we could have baptisms every Sunday. <laughs> and the truth is, we can. But in a way, the experience of baptisms, being seated in heavenly realms, having heaven open over us, having testimonies and stories of God apprehending us and speaking to us and doing things in our lives is supposed to be the normal Christian life every day, every week, every year. And we don't have to wait for a baptismal service. That's the message I've come to bring today. That that experience of God being close to us is something the Lord is desperate for us to have outside of baptismal services. And the reality is if you and I step into God's inheritance for us and the blessing he has for us to experience him like we do in a baptism, the result of that is we will have a lot more baptismal services. Do you see how it works? Jesus would say this to us, just as he said when he began his ministry. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's in the, the word, Greek word is atmosphere, atmos. It's in the atmosphere. It's closer to you than anything that's close to you right now. And I can imagine what some of you have come in this room that's close to you today. Yeah? I won't ask for a show of hands. Children that have annoyed you. Partners that are driving you crazy. Work that is wearing. News that is exhausting. Yeah? Those things can be upon us. And they do bear down upon us. But Jesus says the kingdom of God is closer. Closer than you could imagine. And we glimpse that in the baptisms. And that's my question in the introduction here to myself and to one another. The kingdom of God is at hand right now. Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is here in this room. He is here to set people free, to soften hearts, to pour out his love. We could go into ministry right now. In our church, we, at the end of every service, we stop and we let the Holy Spirit move more and we pray for one another. Right now, some of you have come through that door with things upon you that are not the kingdom. And Jesus wants to set you free. He says, some of you are so thirsty. He has water for you. Some of you are hungry. He has food for you that the world knows nothing about. So do we want it? It's one of the words that's been emerging with the, we've had such a wonderful time with the preaching team the last few weeks, months. And, and, and I keep hearing, one of the things I look for is what people repeat when I bump into them. Um, and the preaching team sometimes repeat each other. Um, but one of them is, do we believe? And I've heard so many of you say to me, I'm, I'm starting to wonder, do I really believe? Do I believe this? Do I believe that it's available, that it's for me right now and to enter into? So what I want to share with you this morning is I want to talk about catching fire, a fire that's in me, and offer a spark for you. Now, I've got a load of Bible verses that are going to be, I think they're all going to appear, up here on the screen. The AV team are going to make them appear. 
I think. Will they? No, okay. All right. One at a time. There we go. Uh, this is going to be different than what I'm not preaching from a passage today. I'm using a variety of verses as I was praying this morning. And I actually just want to go through these verses. And as I go through them, some of them are so familiar. Just, I just want to pray that familiarity wouldn't tune them out. Lord, I pray by your spirit now that we would have a fresh ear to hear your word to us. Amen. So as I read these, I'm going to ask you a question at the end. What stands out to you? What do you notice in all these verses? Um, Philippians 3. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. One of my favorite verses. And then Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. John 12. Uh, Here a dinner is given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Mary took a pint of pure nard and perfume, poured it on Jesus' feet, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Jeremiah 29. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations. And then Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Isaiah 55, verse 6 to 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Lamentations 3. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. James 4, verse 8. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands. You sinners, purify your hearts. Psalm 24, verse 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple, to hear, hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me, answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face I will seek. John 14, lastly. This is Jesus. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Jesus, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? And Jesus said, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. And anyone who doesn't love me won't obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So I wonder what you notice in all those verses. Tell you what I notice. A God who says... I'm here. I'm waiting for you. 
come and find me. And if you do, I'll bless you. I'll be close to you. Again and again and again, God in his word, Jesus himself comes and reminds us and says, the father is near, the father is ready. The stories that Jesus told again and again and again. The kingdom of God is at hand. God is waiting for us. And that's where I want to begin with this. The people that stood up in their baptism, did you notice in their stories? Uh, there's, there's a thing that we uh, Christians have believed for 2,000 years. It's actually, we can't find God on our own. The desire to want God is something he brings to us. That's how good he is. People often think, oh, I was looking for God. And then you hear in the testimonies, but people realize, but he was looking for me first. He comes to us and brings us on the journey. That's how amazing he is. To seek him. So let me ask you another question. Who's responsible for your faith? Who is responsible for your faith and its temperature and condition? Is it your church? Lorraine's like, no. (laughs) Is it your partner? Is it your small group leader? Is it your circumstances? Who's responsible for the condition of your faith? we are we reap what we sow scripture tells us God is amazing God says you just need like this just turn to me slightly put one thought in my direction one heartbeat towards me and woof I'm there it's all he asks the kingdom is at hand But it's up to us to open the door, to respond, to say, yes, I want this. So many of the stories in the gospel, you notice the amazing stories of people who follow Jesus, but you notice again and again the people are like, no, it's too difficult, it's too complicated, I'm too busy, I'm too tired, there's too many other things going on, I don't want it. And they miss it. So we can place ourselves in a position to meet God and meet us. And there's a a metaphor I want to come back to and unpack as an image. And if you remember one thing today, I hope it's this. The Lord has spoken to us about building a fire. He wants to build a fire. He is the one that builds the fire. He is the oxygen. He is the spark. But we can put ourselves in a position and do things in such a way that he can breathe on us and kindle a fire in us. We've had invitations to prayer to start to build fire. We have a prayer meeting before the service. Wonderful space that's been growing. Come there, 9.45, every Sunday morning. In this place, the Lord wants to build a fire. His people. People have been saying it's like the temperature in worship's going up in here. I've heard people say that a lot. The warmth of our expression to God as he builds a fire. And in the baptism, oh, we saw... Saw a fire, the fire that came at Pentecost, the fire that came, I think it was Brian shared last week, didn't you, Brian? You talked about, I think it was Brian on Acts. And the Holy Spirit is poured out. And people go, what must we do to respond? A fire, that's the big metaphor for this morning. Now, when I first became a Christian, um, I heard many things 
I remember them vividly, sitting in church, 16, turning 17, and then all these things that preachers start to say, these wonderful metaphors, and so many of them have stayed with me for my whole life. And one of them was about being a Christian, being a piece of coal in a fire. Any of you heard that? And if we're the piece of coal, for us to be on fire, we are supposed to be surrounded by other pieces of coal that are on fire. And it was a warning early on, and it was a very true warning and a good warning to me. Jason, if God wants you on fire and he puts you in a church community, that's how I came alive. I found faith in a church through other Christians. But don't think that you can stay on fire if you remove yourself. What happens to a piece of coal if you take it out of the fire and put it on the floor? It glows for a while, and then it gets colder and colder and colder until it goes out. Very powerful image. And it's, a, it's a, an image that's been true of what's been happening around the world with God's people. Some people have come out the fire, and they've gotten cold, and their fire has gone out. But other people are finding the opposite, a catching fire. Uh, Bev and I met the other night with some old friends, uh, Graham Cleveland. I'm going to get Graham along and get him, I'm going to send him this and see if he listens to it. Graham, this is the bit in my talk where I test if you listened to it after sending it to you. and get you to come and share some prophetic words. Now, when I was 17, I met Graham. Graham was in his early-ish 20s to mid-20s, and another friend, Alex. I should get Alex along as well. Um, And we did that reminiscing thing about, you know, still a Christian, leaders in the church. I mean, to know someone for now decades of my life. And by the way, I've been to a few funerals recently and caught up with friends over the years. And, and I'm at that age and stage of life where I, I've had a lot of conversations with friends who I've known a long time. Uh, and we did this last Friday with, with Graham and then also have done it recently with other friends. Sometimes the, the saddest thing that we're noticing is that the people that used to be close to the Lord, their fire's gone out. Several times recently, people have said to me, the person that led me to Jesus is no longer a Christian. How did that happen? How did that happen? I'm at funerals, Christian funerals, that are tragic and beautiful. And there's often Christians there who have lost their faith. And this is not their hope anymore. How does it happen? I know very few Christians who woke up and went, do you know what? I've changed my mind. It's all a load of rubbish. And if you know any friends who've done that, or if you've ever been out the fire and got cold, you know it doesn't happen like that. What happens is, oh, there's so much going on in life at the minute. I'll just, I'll take a month off church, or I'll just, I'll, I'll go back to a small group next term, and, I'll, and, and we give ourselves alibis, and we come out the fire, and we get a bit colder. And the problem is, the colder we get, the harder it is to get back in the fire, to want to get back in the fire. And have any of you ever read the Bible? Is there anyone here who's read the Bible? Some of you are nodding. Jez, I don't believe you. <laughs> now, Jez is a good man. He's, he's a northerner. He, if Jez says, Jez's word... You can go to the bank on it. If Jez says he read the Bible, Jez read the Bible. That man's read the Bible. Not driven past it, looked at it on his phone and count that as reading the Bible. 
Do you know, God's word again and again. It's not like we're not warned about this. Go from the beginning and go to the end. I challenge you this week and you'll see one thing that happens every single time. God says, don't drift away from me and don't drift away from my people and my purposes because your heart will grow cold. Jesus warns us that, Jesus gives us parables, the parables of the weeds. Do you remember that one? Jesus says you're going to have trouble in this life. Jesus tells us that people grow hot and cold when we get to Revelation. Jesus warns us again and again of the danger of, it's like that metaphor, the cold thing's a bit like the frog in the kettle. You know that metaphor? The temperature around us changes and before we know it, we match the temperature around us. 1 Peter, isn't it? It's 1 Peter 5 verse 8. Peter says this. It's not just that the world does that to us, entropy, wearing us out. We have an enemy, Satan. Ephesians 2, he is the ruler of the kingdom of the air. He is the one that tempted Jesus in the wilderness. And we're told that he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for Christians to devour, to remove. And that's what happens when someone can lead someone to Christ and then later in life say that they're an atheist. They have been taken out the fire and they have grown cold and been devoured. So the best way to stay on fire is really, really complicated. (laughs) It really isn't. It is the most simple thing in the world to stay on fire, to have faith. Has anyone found life difficult and complicated at the minute? Were you hoping that 2022 was going to be different? And now there's a war going on. Have you thought this shouldn't be happening? This was not on my schedule for this year. And that's one of the issues that we bump into. The world is the Lord's and everything in it. And Satan is the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And one of the things the Lord is wanting to do, I really believe this minute, is wake Christians up. Our identity, our purpose, our sense of connection to him and who we are is not dependent on how well life is going. Do you know that the natural reflects the supernatural? Did you know that? Have you seen that in the Bible? So many times in scripture, the movement of God, earth, wind, fire, elemental. Also, the move of the enemy is manifest in the world through evil, destruction, pain, suffering. So one of the reasons there is a war going on in Europe is not just to interrupt people's holidays this summer. But the kingdom of the ruler of the air is doing what he has always done since Roman times and before. He is stirring up the principalities and the powers and he's saying, I want this world and I want to be in charge of it and I want to destroy Christians' faith in this world. He's doing it again. But the response is so simple. Has anyone tuned in to the series on John recently? Jesus says, what was the last passage that I read to you? Do you remember the one I just read a few minutes ago? Jesus said, it's really easy. If you love me and spend time with me, my heavenly father will rush to you and love you and we will make our home with you. 
It's astonishing. But we don't, do we? We come to a baptismal service and we're like, what amazing. And then like a piece of coal out of fire, we will go three months and we will put ourselves in participation and full contact with anything and everything other than another Christian who is on fire for Jesus. Why do we do it? Why? Have any of you spent time with a red hot on fire kind of Christian? Have you? I got to, I'm going to mention her in a minute, Jill Weber, who wrote a book that we've recommended. She's a spiritual um, director and does stuff 24-7. I got to, you know, go for a walk with her and have a chat. And, and, you know, when you spend time with someone who spends a lot of time with God, they're like... So when she looks at me and she says, Jason, how are you? It's like Jesus says, so Jason, how are you? Because it might as well be Jesus asking me how I am. It's not a polite question. Where has she just been before she, she'd just been in prayer before she came to see me? She prays before every meeting she goes into. Whew. Holy ground. It's not difficult and brothers and sisters, the message I'm bringing you today is this. Before COVID, we were coals out of the fire. Before COVID, we let our apathy, indifference, our tiredness, our busyness, our Netflix, our social media, we let anything capture our attention and our hearts, and we wonder why we grow cold. And all we have to do is this. You don't have to get super close to Jesus yourself. Just go and find another Christian who is close to Jesus. Follow them around and you will catch light. Okay, I'm going to do this right now. Brian Durrant is retired. Brian has loads of spare time. <laughs> Julie's like, no, he doesn't. He's got a big list from Julie. But do you, are we starting to get what's at stake here? If you're like, if you were really honest and said, if I said to you, are you in the fire? Or have you been out the fire? After the baptism, what's your summer going to look like? Are you going to be next to other coals that are on fire? Or are you gonna, by the time we get to the autumn, are you going to do what a whole load of other people are going to do and just get colder and colder? Because all you have to do is, if you want to warm up, is one thing. Go and find another Christian who's on fire for Jesus and hang out with them and you will catch fire. So just go and park your car outside Brian's house. <laughs> Join him on his run in the morning. Join him in his prayer time in the morning. And you know what? Brian loves Jesus so much that if you all turned up at his house in the morning and said, can I pray with you? He would say... Because he's on fire. Do you get how it works? Do you get how it works? That's why the best thing in the week to do when you're tired is not sit down and watch some more TV instead of going to a small group. If you're tired and weary and cold, take that moment of heaviness and tiredness and fatigue and go and sit next to someone who is slightly warmer than you for Jesus? Oh, I hear some amens there. We're getting some amens now. I like this. Mmm. Mmm. That's, that's like an amen. I'll take that as an amen. Won't I? Yeah? It's hard not to be in the presence. 
Um, Bev and I had the privilege. We, were, we got to meet someone who's a very well-known Christian leader this week. Had lunch. And there is something about people that spend their time so close to the Lord and helping other people be close to the Lord that I walked away to the car park. I was like, oh, God's amazing. <laughs> like if they had an infrared thing, I was probably caught fire. <laughs> It's dangerous to step next to someone who spends so much time pursuing Jesus because the kingdom of heaven is open over them. And you're like, whoa. It's how it works. We literally become like, do you know, psychologists, behavioral scientists, anthropologists, sociologists, all know something that's true about human beings. You become like the people and things you give your attention to and give your time to, period. If you want to know what you're like, who do you hang out with? That is it. Hang out with people that are close to Jesus and you will end up closer to Jesus. The end. Now, how do we know this is true? When Jesus met the disciples, he said to them, Peter, I want you to go home and read this really good book. It's got some great reviews on Amazon. And I want you to start a blog. And I'll be checking in and see how you get on. What did Jesus do with every single person that he wanted to catch on fire? What did he say? Two words. Follow me. Get close. That's it. Follow me. Wow. Back to Graham, if he's still listening. <laughs> Are you listening, Graham? So we're sitting in a restaurant. This is, this is Graham, who I look back now and think, the place where God brought me to, I thought I found him, but he took me to an amazing church where I became a Christian with a guy called Andy Hickford, who was the youth pastor, a guy called Steve Gork Roger, the most amazing Bible teacher, but a group of young men who were outside the youth group, like Alex Davy and, and Graham, who I've mentioned, after the service in the evening, and after youth group, we would sit in a car, we'd go to the pub, we'd sit in a car, and I was, we were reminiscing the other night, we would stay up until after midnight, talking about what God had said to each other, and what we were going to do. It was like we were on fire. So we're sitting in the restaurant, reminiscing about those days. And I'm looking at Graham across the table. And Beth suddenly says, oh, look at his little face. She points at my face. She says, he's thinking about all those years ago. And I was. And you know what I was thinking? This man across the table from me has followed Jesus since I first met him. And here we are all these years later with all the losses and the sufferings in life. And his greatest heart's desire is to love Jesus. And part of me is like, oh, I can feel like... It was like being back in an Astra GTE, which was Graham's car. <laughs> when cars were real cars. <laughs> and we would sit there and talk for hours about what Jesus was doing in our lives and pray for one another. And I'm like, this man's still on fire. And we laughed and we had good food. But I came home. Oh, Lord, you're so good. So good. So there is a fire in me 
It came up in the baptisms. And I feel like I've caught a fire. And this is where I want to finish with an invitation to you. Isaiah 55, verse 6 to 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. This that we're going through is not an inconvenience till life gets back to normal. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it and Satan is the ruler of the kingdom of the air and it is all manifesting around us and I do believe that God is saying, seek me in this moment because I am to be found in an extra special way. There are times in history when God manifests his presence and says, now's the time. Um... Again, we saw that in the baptisms last week. And I've told you the story so many times, you're probably sick of it. I don't want to miss this moment. And it's one of the things that keeps me going. When I'm tired and I'm overwhelmed, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to miss it. I want to tell my grandchildren. Granddad, tell us about COVID, not just the toilet papers. Tell us. And, and now, fuel prices, who thought we'd add that to it? There's going to be many more things to add. Tell us about COVID. What did God do and what did you take part in? I want to give that to my grandchildren. I want my grandchildren to sit on my knee and I want the fire of God and his presence to be multiplied upon them without even having to say a word. And I want as they grow to be able to tell stories about my life that they will remember so seeds will be sown and there is a chance that they will catch fire for Jesus in the next generation. And I do believe that God's doing something for us now to catch fire, but for a whole other generation. I mean, aren't you weary of the level of self-harm and abuse amongst younger people in particular? Is it any wonder with the absolute dross on our screens and our phones on a daily basis that people hate themselves and despise themselves? It is a work of the enemy. And oh, that God would breathe again and set a younger generation, set an older generation on fire, set us on fire, so that the younger generation could walk in freedom. So there's a spark in me. Well, I've been talking for 30 minutes, and I want to talk for a little bit more to finish. We didn't have a ministry update, and I want to finish with telling you my testimony. Is that all right? I often tell some of my stories when I'm preaching, and I have done. People stood up, and I felt like the Lord tell me, imagine I was getting baptized, and I would tell you some of the ways that I'm on fire. And it's not that my stories are ones for you to copy, but I believe in the spirit what happens is, is as we tell our stories about Jesus, you're all here today, we're all next to one another, that maybe something will spill over to you. I sat in my study two years ago, uh, in lockdown, overwhelmed, and, and I said, Lord, you know, I, had, I would pray and I would be a good Christian, but I realized there was a paucity in my relationship with the Lord. I was so overwhelmed by what was happening and was going to happen. And I, I remember saying, Lord, I just, I really don't have that great a prayer life with you. I mean, a bit utilitarian, we'd turn up and do it. I loved, loved the Lord. And I said, Where, how do I get a prayer life? He said, the clue's in the praying bit. Oh, so pray to pray. And I still remember, and I've got it journaled. I said, Lord, teach me to pray. That's all I could do. Teach me to pray. All right? You're on. And then I looked up, 
and saw the spine of a book called Even the Sparrow by a lady called Jill Weber. And the Holy Spirit went, start there. So I got up, picked out that book, and then for every day, for 40 days, because I read a bit every morning, I read a chapter every day, and I cried like a baby at the end of every chapter. Because guess what? When I was reading that book, I was spending time with someone else who was closer to Jesus than me. And the Holy Spirit goes, let's do that in you. I got to the chapter where Jill Weber is a younger woman and she goes out into the woods. She's from Canada. They've got a lot of woods over there. And she says, Lord, the answer is yes. Now, what do you want to say to me? And how the God exploded into her life. And I remember sobbing and saying, Lord, I'm sorry that so often I put conditions around you. The answer is yes. And you know what? What God did in her, he has done in me. I have more things in my diary in the last two years of the Lord speaking to me than I think the whole of my Christian life. Because I decided, Lord, the answer is yes. So I started there. Then the TV series, The Chosen. We've invited you as a church to watch it. And I think at some point last year, wasn't it? We had small groups read it, watch it. And I've watched seasons one and two, and they're recording season three. It's the most stunning thing of, of the life of Jesus. If you want to get close to Jesus. And again, it's one of the challenges, isn't it? Jesus is alive and risen. His spirit's here. But watching the most amazing TV production that is true to the Gospels, but shows Jesus interacting with other people. And as I watched every episode, I thought, I'm not going to cry in this one. And then I would get to the bit where Jesus is in the series. They haven't got very far in the Gospels yet. And every single time he called one of the disciples and said, follow me. It was like he was looking into my soul. It's like I was there. And, I've got, and then I would go back to the Gospels and reread them. I remember when I became a Christian, I thought, I did that thing that Christians do, and you go, which disciple would I be, yeah? But I tell you what, I remember it didn't take very long to realize that lots of people, lots of Christians would not want to be disciples. And I was challenged by that again. The Lord said, do you want to be a disciple at this time? I'm walking around the world right now in the midst of everything that's happening, and Jesus is still, he says, what does Jesus say? Go into the world and tell nice stories about me. What did Jesus say? Go into the world and invite people to hang out with you as you hang out with me so that I can hang out with them and they can become like you and the disciples. Do you see how it works? Come and be with me. That's what discipleship is. That put a fire in me. And then I found myself getting up. I found myself, I'm an early riser. I found myself getting up earlier and earlier and earlier, so excited to spend time with the Lord. And I, and I went from, you know, you know, sitting for half an hour and going through a list to sometimes two, three hours would go by in the very early hours of the morning, long before my wife was up. And it was like an instant. And the sense of the Holy Spirit and the Lord's presence. It was such a gift. And it's continued in me. And then I did a thing called, uh, um, there's a guy called Ignatius, not, he's dead, died 500 years ago. Um, started the Jesuits. And he discovered this most amazing thing that if you take the gospel stories and sit before God and imagine that you're in them, 
and relive them, which is what we're supposed to do, by the way, with scripture. So a good preacher brings the word alive so that we go home and we relive it. It becomes in our imaginations and our passions and our desires. So for nine months, I got up every morning and I read through the gospels, through the life of Jesus, and I had to sit with passages and imagine I was there. And then I would let the Holy Spirit speak to me and then I met with the spiritual director every week. And the Lord did, again, something in me I never could have imagined. And here's where I want to land. One of the things the Lord did with me was called remembering. I've taught here before in the church. You know communion? When Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Remember is a, is, is a, has become a weak word in English. It means to recall. But remember originally was a strong word. It's the opposite of dismember. Dismember rejoin. Jesus says, when you break this bread, my body was dismembered for you. When you take communion, be remembered to me. All the other things that have hold of you, when you come to me, I want to cut you off from and I want to graft you into me. Do you remember some passages Jesus says? He is the vine. We are the branches. Be grafted in, be remembered to, be joined to. So I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Jason, I want to take you over your life and over those nine months and it still happens I sit there in my prayer times and the Holy Spirit say do you remember that time and I'm like oh gosh yeah and the Lord showed me where I was and what was happening and, and, what, and then he would give me a revelation about what he was doing in my life so one of the things that he showed me you see I know Brenda Moulding the church secretary rang my mother she was a friend of of my aunt and invited my mother to church. That woman, I've said this story, if she'd not made that one phone call, I don't know what would happen to my life. And the only reason I went to church that day was to keep my mother safe from Christians. And I walked into a hall like this and there were people like you and they were worshiping and talking about Jesus. And at the end of that evening, I sat down and I, I got prayed for. It's one of the most pure experiences of my life that I've never doubted since. And in the midst of abuse, abandonment by my father, pain, suffering, a one-year-old brother, another brother up to, and th nearly made homeless, there was such peace, and I could, it was like a light and the presence of God. But the Lord said, do you remember that? I went, yeah, of course I remember that. He said, there's more, do you want to know more? I went, all right. He said, do you remember the summer before you went to that school and became a Christian? I went, yeah, it was pretty bad. He said, do you remember when you were over the, the hill? So at the top of uh, the hill where the school was, I'd gone out in the summer, my father had left, and I'd gone out and I'd lain down in the grass. And I, the Lord reminded me, I have a memory of lying there in the grass, so alone, and thinking there must be more to life than this. And the Holy Spirit, the Father, showed me that memory. And he said... That was like three months before you met me in that school. Yeah. He said, do you remember where that field was? And I went, no. It's directly opposite that school. And I got Google Earth out and I zoomed in. And I found roughly the spot because I could remember it where I was lying down. And God said, it wasn't just Brenda Moulding that made a phone call. I was doing things for you and getting you ready in that place. My spirit was already there. Heaven was already open over that field when you were a 16-year-old boy. I was there. Whew, wow. 
More recently, discovering God the Father, Abba, Father. I've told you some of that story. I won't repeat it, but one of the things that the Lord showed me, I read through the story of the prodigal son, um, and I read the most amazing book by Henri Nouwen. If any of you want to read a book and and know who God is, God is the Father, um, and he uses a painting by Rembrandt as a meditation. And I read the story of the prodigal son, and I read through it, and the Holy Spirit encountered me. And in the midst of one of my prayer times, And I've always known that God's my father, but found it hard to say Abba Father and feel like he's my father because of what my father did. And through my prayer times of spiritual exercises, I got to a place in one prayer time and I felt like God appeared to me as the father. I felt his presence like in the Rembrandt painting. And he said this to me. I wrote it down afterwards. He said, Jason, you were the son of a prodigal son. My father abandoned me in captivity a long way from home. And the father said to me, I sent my son to find you. I sent him to find you, Jason, when you were in primary school and you sat down before you could read and the teacher opened and read The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And my heart was captivated by Aslan. And he said, do you want to know where the son was? And I said, yes, Lord. And he showed me that Jesus was sitting behind me praying for me. I've always loved Aslan. So when someone told me about Jesus, oh, it's Aslan. See, that was the remembering. God showed me that. I said, Lord, why has it taken so many decades to get here and feel like I'm at home with you and know you? He said, because you had to be rescued by the sun and go through all of that to come home. Now it's time to enjoy the family home. And I'm enjoying my inheritance at the minute in a way I've never known. During a very painful time last autumn, this is my last story. With, and some of you know, I had a two, three months off. My mental health wasn't great with all the loss that happened. I was great with Jesus, but physically tired, emotionally tired. Some conflicts and some other things had just... Uh, And in my prayer times, and I just got to the point in the gospel readings in my prayer times where Jesus goes into the tomb. And I felt like the Father said, I want you to go in with Jesus. And I would get up every morning with the worst of everything I was feeling. And in my mind's eye, I went and I laid down next to Jesus who was dead and I would hold his hand and I would descend to the dead with him. Say, Lord, this feels like this is going to kill me. And then I realized that that was the safest place in the universe to be. Where death would be destroyed. And then in the prayer times, I got to Easter Sunday. This is the last bit. And in the prayer times, the Lord said to me, he wanted me to wait in the garden over Easter weekend. There's a part of the, for about five, six weeks, I, the Lord kept me in a place in this prayer time with my spiritual director where every morning I would imagine I was in the Garden of Gethsemane and I was waiting for Jesus to come out of the tomb. It's called, and, and in the exercises, it's, it's called the longest Sabbath. You wait until Jesus comes out the tomb. And the Father said, we're going to wait, we're going to wait. And then the tomb opened in my mind's eye, my prayer imagination. And I heard Jesus speak to me. 
And the words I heard him say were this. While I was so overwhelmed with so much, and he said to me, I could hear him bellowing as he was striding out the tomb. Didn't creep out, and he said, do not fear. I needed to hear those words. And then this bit, the most personal bit in my relationship with the Lord, as he appeared to me and came out the tomb, he looks a bit like Jonathan Rumi in The Chosen, but he's different. <laughs> and he came out the tomb, and I saw him put his head to one side with the cheekiest smile I've ever seen. And it was a rhetorical question, and he said, Follow me. And off he went, Lord, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. So, brothers and sisters, that's all I've got to offer you is Jesus. Amen. Anna, span up. Let's stand. Let's stand, worship the Lord. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're alive, that you are risen, that you are here and now. Oh, fill this place with your fragrance. Fill this place. Amen.